All right, what's up, everybody? Today is Tuesday, February 7th. Welcome to episode number 298, almost 300, y'all. We're getting 300 this week. Believe that on Thursday. Of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief, and I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Chinadu, Gaming with the Cat, Andrew Nakamura, Carrie, Justin Gold, Brady McNulty, and so many others, including you, are going to be tearing through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what am I going to do with this information, Jerry? Why is it so important to understand threat intelligence? And if you're looking to break in the industry, a lot of value there, a lot of terminology, a lot of concepts we're going to dig into, a lot of good networking. So stick with us. You're going to find value in the stream. I guarantee you that's a fact. Now, before we get into the stream, before we tear up the top cyber news stories of the day, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor of Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents, help business owners get straightened out and get back on track. If you don't have a plan for getting slapped in the mouth with a cybersecurity incident like ransomware, like business email compromise, like anything else that Carl does in your environment, Hop on over to barricadecyber.com. Give it a shot. Also want to say a quick little love to IT Pro TV. Now I, uh, IT Pro by ACI Learning. Uh, Simply Cyber is proud to be affiliated with them. I'll drop a link in chat. If you're interested in like top, top, top content, not just for educational content, but they have practice exams, certification paths, labs. It's a really cool platform. There's a link in chat. If you use the code SimplyCyber30, I believe that's it. Simply Cyber 30. Uh, you'll get 30% off your first month, your first year, whatever it is you go with. Um, I would just say if you do it, there's a ton of great content there. Just like make sure you have a plan. Don't just sign up and be like, oh, now I'll figure it out. Like have a plan. Like what are you doing? Are you going to get the Security Plus? Are you going to get CISP? Are you just like wanting to get your hands dirty? Like whatever your plan is, figure it out and then execute on it. Good times. Now, I want to remind you that every episode of the Simply Cyber Diet, the daily cyber threat briefing is worth half a cpe because we go over 30 minutes but not quite an hour of high-end uh instructor-led cybersecurity training which is why i say it's worth half a cpe although some people might uh buck that and say listen this is a web this is a youtube stream so it doesn't count guess what if i put a paywall behind this and make you sign up then it's worth half a cpe it's going to be the same content i would argue that that is a stupid um argument like you're saying that it's, i can do the same content but i put a, a wall in front of it so i make it less accessible to people and now it's worth half a cp that's kind of counterintuitive to the entire intention of continuous education so having said all that do verify with your certification body but i'm putting it on mine now if you're live love it i see 64 72 of you here i know it's tough on the tuesday thursdays guys many of you are already like full steam into your day and you're like oh my god Jerry, it's like abrupt um, to stop what I'm doing in order to be here. So maybe you catch us on Team Replay. If you're here live, hashtag Team Live in chat. Like Dennis Hunter and Tom Bishop, Archangel and Ernest Pruitt are here with us live. But if you're on Replay, hashtag Team Replay and drop some comments in the chat. I do appreciate um, seeing the comments. It is a Tidbits Tuesday. I got good news for you guys. I share a personal little thing about me. Maybe we have it in common. Maybe we don't. 
I don't have one prepped for today, so it's going to be a game time decision. I'll be sh- I'll be riding low on a hip on a train bound for glory. So stick with us for the mid roll. But for now, as I'm prone to do, I'm going to get right into the news and not jaw jack as I've been accused of doing in the past. So sit back, relax, holla at your boy, and let's get some smooth cybersecurity news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. Cyber Insurer predicts a rise in critical CVEs. A new cyber threat index from the insurance firm Coalition predicts 2023 will see an average of 1,900 monthly critical CVEs, up 13% on the year. Of these, it forecasts 14% will be high severity and 8% will be critical severity. Coalition derived these estimates based on underwriting and claims data, internet scans, and its network of honeypots aggregated over the past 10 years. The index also found that 95% of organizations it scanned in 2022 exposed at least one unencrypted service to the internet. Remote desktop protocol remained the most scanned for protocol by attackers. All right. So, um, okay, so check it out. This is, I mean, this is cool, okay? This is where, like, the you know, the math or whatever, but... Um, what's important to know is that, uh, based on statistical evaluation and actual concrete data, which I appreciate instead of just like speculative armchair, uh, quarterbacking, it's predicted that we're going to have, uh, 1900 high or critical severity CVEs or vulnerabilities a month. Guys, that's a lot. That's a lot. Now, remember this is only up 13% from last year. So if it's 1900 a month and it's up 13%, that roughly means that it was like 1600 a month in 2022. So before you're like, oh my God, like, wait, like what would be a, a good one here? Um, before you're like 1900 a month. No, like it was 1600 a month in 2022 and the internet didn't burn down. We didn't nuke, like we didn't melt, right? So like, I'm not saying ignore this as like, oh, you know, like fake news, but just put it in perspective, guys. First of all, that's the first thing I took from perspective. Second of all, um, you know, they're basing this on retrospectively looking at the industry. Hey, Ernest Pruitt, thanks for becoming a member. They're basing it on the industry. I mean, they have honeypots out there and stuff, but dude, honeypots, like if a honeypot got hit with a zero date, you wouldn't know it. The honeypot is, you know what I mean? Like, I guess maybe if the threat actor got in, but they wouldn't know like how it got exploited unless they did the analysis, which is typical, not what honeypots are doing. Uh, some of them do, but not typically. So um having said that what you should be taking away as a practitioner is that okay got to get good vulnerability management programs in place reduce your attack surface obviously if you don't know what i'm talking about go check out event cyber day 22 two thumbs and smiles did that one and it was all about reducing attack surface uh exposure and um i gave you some tips tricks and techniques on how to do that uh so if you reduce your attack surface even if you have um, a piece of technology that has a critical vulnerability that it gets discovered, a threat actor isn't able to actually get to it. So take this as a um, a bellwether or a hallmark opportunity where you can say, okay, you know, team, if you're a CISO, okay, team, if you're um, kind of a, a director of IT and you report up to the CIO with no CISO, hey, Jennifer, thanks so much for the squad membership. You could say, hey, listen, 
I'm looking at 2023. By the way, you should have already done this because we're already in 2023. But hey, I'm looking at 2023 for our strategic roadmap for the next 10 months. And uh, we're expecting an uptick in activity around vulnerability exposure. So I'm expecting us to prioritize attack surface reduction. What are you doing, IT? What are you doing, um, you know, apps, endpoint, uh, like application people, endpoint people? Where, like, what are we doing? So be mindful. This is actual legit actionable intel. Oh, by the way, just as a quick aside, because many of you here are uh, subscribers to the newsletter. Guys, I was completely consumed um, with, uh, I, I, I orchestrated a very complicated surprise um, party gift thing experience for my wife's um, birthday. Uh, and it, 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 it was very, very consuming. So having said that, I didn't do the newsletter this week. Um, so it's not that you, you, you didn't get it. It's not that it's in your spam folder. I literally didn't have time uh, to do it. And sometimes when you're a one-man show um, doing, you know, two and a half full-time jobs and other family commitments, I, I, I just, something had to give. And it was the newsletter this week. So be mindful of that. Okay. Sorry if you were uh, had your your hopes up for the newsletter. All right, let's roll. British steel supplier hit by cyber incident. The engineering company Vesuvius confirmed that a cyber incident involved unauthorized access to our systems. The company produces ceramics used by the steel industry with over 10,000 employees. Vesuvius said it began an investigation into the incident and shut down any impacted systems. No indication what specifically was impacted or who orchestrated the attack. This marks the second attack on the sector this year, with Morgan Advanced Materials filing a cybersecurity incident notice for the London Stock Exchange last month. Okay. Microsoft so even though like we hear in the news that like, you know, higher ed is getting attacked or healthcare, you know, like all this new threat intel is coming out like right now around healthcare being targeted by um, Russian-based uh, ransomware threat actors and KillNet DDoS um, threat actors. Um, manufacturing quietly rules the roost as far as targets go for ransomware. I'm going to just like, this isn't me like shooting from the hip, by the way, manufacturing ransomware. Um, this is from October, 2022. So just a few months ago, um, can we get like an infographic, bro? Um, 55% of manufacturing and production organizations were hit with ransomware in 2021, up from 30% per six, 6% in 2022. All right, guys, this this is a fact, and this trend continued into 2022. Manufacturing-led industries or, or you know, um, verticals as far as targeted for ransomware. So I'm not surprised that this, you know, this steel industry company got hit. Hopefully they have, um, were aware because it's, it's been, manufacturing's been number one for a couple of years now. So hopefully they were well aware that this could happen and that they were, um, it says managing the cyber incident. I hope they are. I hope they had called Barricade Cyber Solutions and had a plan um, in place. I hope they had backups. I hope they had resiliency. I hope their backups were immutable, right? All the things that we talk about all the time, I hope they did. Now they did say that shares fell 3.8%. Um, I'm kind of curious about this. You don't see shares fall as often anymore because people have become so desensitized to um, compute, um, businesses getting hit. But I am kind of curious about this. Their stock's gone down 8%, 8% or excuse me, 2%, 2% in the last day. I mean, but they're up, they're up. 
Okay, so it looks like here, here's where the, uh, can you guys see this on stream? This is where like the cyber attack happened or it was reported and they went from $412 a share down to uh, $392. Now this is just market reaction. We see this all the time. You could see it, it almost instantly recovered. This is Monday, this is today. So like almost instantly it recovered. My suspicion, right? If I had to tinfoil hat it guys, and you know, this, this used to have more time to do it, but guys, here's the deal. It took a crap as soon as the market opened. As soon as the market opened, this thing took a, a, a heater on the front yard, right? And then immediately went back up. It went from 397 to 405 in about an hour. You know what happened here? This is a bunch of panic selling. And then right here is a bunch of people like me. I didn't get in on this, but who are like, this is going to recover, right? And they just buy up all this drop. Now you see it, it continued to go down to 397 back to where it lowered. And this isn't financial advice, but my point is, my point is, if I can remember, we'll come back to Vesuvius Steel in a, in a month, it, you know, early as a month, no later than a year, and you'll see that this will recover. These type of um, knee-jerk reactions happen all the time in the stock tanks, and then it goes back to where it was, if not better than it was. It was much more pronounced back in the day. If you go look at Target, the department store, or whatever you want to call that store, Target, um, and look at when they suffered that massive um, point of sale system hack in like 2006 or something like that, their stock took a total, total nosedive. And then it recovered within like a couple of years beyond where it was before. So great purchasing opportunities. Stock pins recent attack on Charlie Hebdo. A new report from the company claims the Iranian-based Neptunium threat group carried out the attack on the French satirical magazine last month. This comes after the threat group claimed it obtained personal information on 200,000 Charlie Hebdo subscribers, including names, phone numbers, and home addresses. Microsoft warned that given a recent cartoon contest from the magazine based around Iranian supreme leaner Ali Khamenei, the information could be used for mass doxing. All right. Uh, doo -doo -doo. I was reading chat. Uh, guilty. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, Charlie Hebdo, like they ran a uh, cartoon contest that maybe, maybe it was like, uh, I might be wrong, but where it was like Muhammad, like you're not allowed to draw Muhammad. I believe. Again, I'm I'm slightly outside my comfort zone or, or knowledge base, but basically it was like a religious satirical cartoon. It violated a lot of uh, like religious um, tenets for that that group, uh, and they were super pissed. So now this Iranian uh, nation state threat actor group, um, you know, basically stole a bunch of data. Kind of this is classic hacktivism, if you will, hacktivism where like you're Obje usually the objective of any cyber attack kimberly knows what it is straight cash, homie. normally it's straight cash homie but a lot of times um it is actually i mean excuse me a lot of times it's money but it's not uncommon for it to be more emotional based revenge activism hacktivism um you know for love interests etc so there are other ones you know this is basically just if you're a charlie habadu customer your data got compromised um and there could be um 
you know, repercussions. Okay, it wasn't a, it wasn't a religious leader, Muhammad, or whatever I said. Uh, Iranian Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei. 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 Um, so anyways, this is hacktivism. I mean, there isn't much here. It's a great case study on, on what hacktivism is. If you're like studying in the industry and you've heard the term, it's a good one to have. You're not really going to get, in my opinion, you probably wouldn't get asked about this in an interview. You might get asked like, oh, why, why do people commit cyber crimes? Like, you know, you might be able to give a more robust, rich answer, but that's about it. India cracks down on gambling and loan apps. Indian state media reports that the Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology began enforcing an emergency order that will ban 138 gambling and 94 loan service apps in the country, many from Chinese publishers. Some apps were banned for violating rules from the Reserve Bank of India, which requires lenders to receive user consent to increase credit limits and explicitly disclose annual loan rates. Others were banned over concerns about them being used for espionage and propaganda. While India does not specifically say it suspects China in this activity, the source of the published apps strongly indicates it. And now what we're- Jesus Christ, okay, so this is not good. So I'm glad to hear this. Um... You know, India, you know, it's a big country, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different kind of uh, cultural states in there, uh, some tied to um, China, some not, obviously. And they're banning uh, 230 apps, which to me is probably not nearly enough. Um, that number does sound big, but in reality, I feel like um, 230 isn't that many. Betting and loan apps. So people get into these troubles um, with financial, right? Financial obligation, right? You get in you get in deep to a bookie, you know, and then they, they kind of own you, right? They can exploit you. Uh, loan services, dude, this happens everywhere in every country, right? If you're like, um, if you have poverty in your country, people with money will set up predatory loan services and basically just like milk you dry and then exploit you afterwards. Um, unfortunately, I saw, um, you know, right here, predatory loan apps, Huge fees driving some users to suicide. I mean, this is serious. This is really, really serious. And then, I mean, guys, it's not, it's not good. Like, like I said, when they say they exploit you, hey, listen, pay, like, for example, pay your loan that you owe us or I'm going to throw you in jail. Now, it's due on Friday, but if you send me nudes, we can extend you two weeks out. I'll give you two weeks extra time. It doesn't change how much you owe me. I'm just like exploiting you and having you send me nudes, which then I'm going to use to further exploit you later on if you ever pay your loan back. Or I'm going to sell them. Or you could say, hey, like you work for me now. Like whatever, whatever. It's just a slippery, slippery slope. And it's um, exploitative of people who are unfortunately in tough circumstances. A lot of times people who are taking out loans aren't like, oh, I, like I just want to get the new like PlayStation 5. It's like, no, like I'm trying to feed my kids or I'm trying to pay rent or whatever. And those predatory loan services, man, they suck. So way to go, India, for pulling those apps out, especially, I mean, the fact that many had China ties, I mean, this is almost like <laughs> inflammatory. Like, you know what I mean? Like, India to block over 230 betting and loan apps, period. That's, that's the story. Many with China ties. This seems almost um, intentionally inflammatory from a, um, I don't know, quasi-xenophobe perspective. From our sponsor, us, yes, CISO series. Those cybersecurity headlines are fantastic. It's the first thing I look for in the AM. That's a quote from active listener Jared Mendelhall, head of information security at Impossible Foods. Cybersecurity headlines is our fastest growing show on the CISO series network. It's grown 20 fold since we launched, and it did so during the pandemic while other shows started to slide. 
That's because, at only six to seven minutes every day, cybersecurity headlines does not need a commute to consume it. Listen before you start your day. To learn more about pricing and audience, email us at info at CISOseries.com. All right, so guys, if you are new here, right? Welcome to the show. If you're a regular here, thanks for being here. I genuinely appreciate you and this whole community, frankly. Especially like even when I'm like streaming out of my garage in like the most bunky makeshift bandaged together studio, you guys came in full force and supported me. Genuinely appreciate that. But if you're getting value from the show, if you're getting educational value, if you're learning something, if you're getting entertainment value, like, oh, Jerry, with all these sound effects, thanks so much. Take a second, take a hot second, hit the like button, right? Minimize chat, hit the like button, scroll over, hit the like button, move your mouse, hit the like button. It takes one second, it seems like an insignificant act, but if you all do it together, YouTube will push our stream to other people who are looking for cybersecurity content right now. It'll show up in their feeds, they'll come join us, and you know what I mean? They'll, they'll be able to help themselves, trust me. We do good work here, okay? We do great work here. And I'm very proud of it. And I just want more people to know about it. Thank you to Barricade Cyber Solutions for their continued support. Also to ACI Learning, uh, IT Pro, formerly IT Pro TV, for their support uh, through the month of February. Genuinely love what they're doing. I've got some big projects coming for you guys um, here in the, in the next couple months. Uh, Aaron KG's been helping me. Uh, with some stuff, so I'm pretty pumped. If you want to get the newsletter, normally it comes out on Monday. Go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter. I'll send you an email. I write it on Saturday. Hopefully, the fact that I couldn't even do it this weekend shows you that it's not some, like, chat GPT-generated piece of garbage. Like, I literally didn't have time to do it, so I had to skip it. It comes from me. It's got actionable intel. You'll love it. All right, now. It's Tidbits Tuesday. I'm still shooting from the hip, so let me see. Let's do this one. Let me think of a tidbits, guys. So, I tell you that I drink a pot of French, a French press every day, but you guys know that. Um, you know what? Yeah, you know, I don't like crowds. I, <laughs> I don't like crowds. I don't know. As I've gotten older, um, you know, if it's really crowded, whatever whatever it is, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I will make exceptions for, like, DEF CON and stuff like that because I'm, like, very deliberate there for purpose. But I, I don't like, I don't like, um, like, if, if Costco's too busy, I don't want to go. Like, I don't like going to the mall. Like, I just don't like crowds i'm not into it i want to get to where i'm going and get it done and be done with it and if i have to like be in a sea of humanity and not really get to where i need to be it's no good for me as a as a secondary tidbits uh just to share a little bit more personable because this one occurred to me while i was sharing that one all right hey emilio uh, uh, or emily i'm glad that you're not alone um another thing that is like almost borderline neurotic but it it, it feeds into that same thing when I go to the movies, and I love, love, love going to the movies, pre-pandemic, of course, uh, although I'm ready to go to the movies, I just haven't gone. 
when I go to the movies, guys, I need to get there like a solid, a solid 20 minutes before the lights even dim down, okay? Like I need to get my popcorn, my soda, my seat. I need to get settled in. I need to get all of that stuff situated in a way that works, like drink left hand, popcorn right hand, like this action. Get like a good like three or four fistfuls in my grill before anything. And then when the lights dim down, I'm good to go. Like if the lights are already dimmed down, if the previews are already running, I am... I am out of my mind uncomfortable. My wife, God bless her, is uh, supportive of this neur- neurosis, but like, I gotta get to the movies soon. Like, like I'm looking at the clock, I'm looking at the clock all the time if we're going. I don't know if anyone else is similar to that when it comes to the movies, but that's my jam. Let's get back into the news. Twitter still struggling with CSAM. After purchasing Twitter, CEO Elon Musk said in late November that removing child exploitation is priority number one for the platform. To that effect, Twitter's head of safety, Ella Irwin, said the company moved rapidly to combat child sexual abuse material, or CSAM, reiterating that Twitter 2.0 would handle it differently. Twitter claims it suspended over 700,000 accounts in December and January for violations, with a focus on those claiming to further sell and distribute it. An investigation by the New York Times, however, found that the materials still persist on the platform, including widely circulated CSAM, considered the easiest to detect. It cited recommendation engines suggesting accounts tied to CSAM and an abusive video with over 120,000 views left up for over a month. Alex Stamos of the Stanford Internet Observatory said it is surprising they are not doing the basics. Twitter uses software from the anti-trafficking organization Thorn to find CSAM, but it failed to pay the organization since Musk took over. It also stopped working with Thorn to improve the technology. Bro. Okay, so they said Alex Samos from like Stanford, whatever, but it's also the same Alex Samos who was CISO at Facebook for a while. Like that guy is a another one of the like information security industry legends. So if you don't know about uh, Alex Samos, definitely uh, look him up. He's a good guy. Okay, back to this thing. Um, a couple couple uh, things to share. One, CSAM. So like it used to be called like. Um, I don't even want to say it because I don't want my stream to get flagged for some stupid reason. Um, or not stupid, but like misfiltered. But basically, it used to have a different title that many of us know uh, that begins with like P-E-D. Um, okay, so there was that title. But they've expanded it now to CSAM, which is child. Um, but it's this. This is the... And the, like, it says C-S-A-I here, but it's C-S, oh, wait, hold on. You guys are looking at the wrong thing. Um, it's C-S, C-S-A-M, and the M stands for material here, but the, this is what the C-S-A stands for, okay? So it can, it can go beyond certain things. So it's, C-S-A-M is more inclusive, okay? Um, the fact that they, the, the, the fact that something, like a video, can be on Twitter for over a month is absolutely insane to me. This isn't like some weird dark web website with like people with problems um, share like their problem with each other. Like this is Twitter. It's like a public social media thing. So the fact that it's public for over a month is gross. The fact that we have technologies to detect uh, when certain words are said or when certain copyright material is played, either audio or video, and it can tag it. Like, dude, I play, you know, sometimes I play copyrighted music on this stream and it gets flagged before, like, like within 30 minutes of me ending the stream, okay? So the technologies are there. For them not to do that, for Twitter not to be paying 
uh, for the organization that runs that software is is gross. Okay, like this is such an easy, obvious win for Twitter um, to promote that they're you know curb stomping this type of behavior and this type of content on their platform. Like, dude, the fact the fact that yet just yesterday um, we were talking about like, oh, Twitter's only going to allow API calls for good content, right? And we were like, what is good content? That's very subjective. You know what? I can say definitively, I don't think anyone's going to argue. Nobody will argue with me. This is not good content. This is actually deplorable, despicable, troubling, disgusting, perverse content. There's no reason for it on Twitter. There's no, you can make no argument to me that will make it in any capacity acceptable for this type of content. So for this to persist on the platform is disgusting. It like, it, it pisses me off. Like it really pisses me off. So, okay, so having said all of that, this is gross and I hope that this news story brings light to it. Thank you, New York Times for doing your job of investigative reporting. Now I wanna share a couple things with you really quickly, okay? This is such a, I mean, I have kids for Christ's sakes. Like I, like it's just, okay. This right here, if you go to Darknet Diaries right now, and I shared this last week, okay? If you go to Darknet Diaries right now, episode 131 is Welcome to Video, okay? Andy Greenberg, who is the author of Sandworm and Tracers in the Dark, is basically on a book tour right now. And he, he talks with um, Jack Recyder about this story, which is part of his Tracers in the Dark story. Tracers in the Dark is about tracing Bitcoin transactions, right? Crypto is not anonymous. In fact, it's quite quite the opposite of anonymous because of the blockchain. So Tracers is tracing transactions to find bad actors who are doing criminal activities using cryptocurrency for the uh, funding of those activities, okay? This Darknet Diaries episode is incredibly troubling. It's very difficult, man. This is like one of the hardest things. I force myself to listen to it. Um, it deals with some real emotional topics, very, very, um, it's not for everybody, but if you really want to hear, um, more about this industry and what law enforcement is doing to combat it and some of the sacrifices that some people are having to make in order to, you know, get the evidence that they need and, and find these actors, uh, this is an amazing story. And it's just even looking at it, it's making me like a little nauseous. Uh, the other thing that I would mention is, um, I'm on Twitter there is a woman who's on Twitter. Uh, what was her name? Um, chat, help me out. She was on Thursday Defensive, Recon InfoSec Thursday Defensive, not too long ago. And she's she's a redhead. Um, her Twitter handle looks like her wearing like a, a red fedora. And she does like, not investigative journalism, but she like she like helps with uncovering and educating people on child predator like predatory acts of children hey jeremy williams thanks so much man what did we just become best friends yep what is her name i can't go backwards unfortunately oh i can go backwards yes hold on one second it's important normally i wouldn't i wouldn't go through all this trouble but it's important oh look at me i was i was october 6th uh mike cohen ryan chapman west zach max leonard andrew brian Olaf, Chris, Robert. Oh, she must have been on uh, Wednesday Offensive. I'm sorry. And if you're here for the news and you're like, Jerry, just get on with the news. Um, 
Grant me some grace. This is important, okay? Yeah, thank you, Andrew Cook. Andrew knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, if you can, guys, please please do it. And then when you say it in chat, like either... Um, um, here, actually, I had DM'd her. I'll be able to get it in DMs. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, what's her name? What's her name? It's important because she's a, she's a must follow on Twitter because she's doing great work for our community and for, and for the greater community of like humanity. Um, her, her, her logo, her, her profile is like very obvious. Where is it? Where is it? Um, all right. Damn. I, I'll get it in the jaw jacking section. Okay. I'll keep looking. Background check services confirm data breach. The firm PeopleConnect, which operates the background check services TruthFinder and InState Checkmate, confirmed the incident. Threat actors exposed an April 2019 backup database with information on over 20 million customers across the two services last month. Information exposed impacted customers from 2011 to 2019, including emails, hash passwords, names, and phone numbers. PeopleConnect began an investigation, but said it appears likely an inadvertent leak or theft of a particular list. A third-party audit found no signs of a network breach. Troy Hunt added the leaked list to Have I Been Pwned, and PeopleConnect warned to be on the lookout for phishing attacks. Okay, so, yeah, <laughs> this sucks. Like, when you're responsible for doing um, background checks and investigative uh, information services, you are going to collect all sorts of data. Like literally think about how sw sweet a treasure trove this is for a threat actor. You have basically outsourced getting full profiles, full, uh, like, you know, financial history, criminal history. Like I can identify what targets have lots of money so I can hit them. I can identify targets who have criminal past so I can either exploit them by knowing that they have a gambling problem, knowing that they have a drug problem, knowing that they have an infidelity problem. I can exploit them. Um, but like if they had gambling or financial dire straits, I could take advantage of that. If they were uh, married, you know, like ma like formerly married or whatever, I could I could get, you know get into that. Like basically, all the work's done. This is like the ultimate OSINT hack, if you will, <laughs> because basically someone else has done all the work for you. Twenty million customers is is also pretty gross. That's quite quite a um, a, a a trove, if you will. Uh, here's our token darknet uh, anime character uh, selling stuff. I don't even know how much it how much they're selling it for. Did anybody? Uh, it doesn't say how much they're selling it for. Did anyone see how much? What's something like this run? I don't see it. Uh, well, guys, at the end of the day, you have to assume your your content has been compromised, right? Like twenty million. And you know the sh the crappy thing is, it's like if you got hired at a company, right? Like let's say um, Morehouse Hacks just started at a company, okay? I don't know if Morehouse Hacks is in chat right now, but Morehouse Hacks just started at a company. And if any company was like, hey, like we want to give you your first job in cybersecurity, you'd be like, hell yeah, let's roll, right? You're like, let's do it. And then they're like, yeah, but first we have to do a background check because we take security cyber seriously. And you're like, absolutely, I totally get it. And they run a full background check on you and it comes back awesome. You're like, all right, so can I work here? They're like, hell yeah. Now they get breached uh, or the service gets breached. Guess who they're telling? I have to assume they're telling the customer, which would be the employer, not you. Do you see how you like, you're the product, the employer's the customer. So I don't even know if your data gets dumped in this 
if you even know short of going to have I been pwned and searching it yourself, right? So you're not going to get the letter in the in the mail. You're going to your boss or your your company is going to get the letter in the mail. So that's a little bit of a problem anyways. So yeah, this is I'm surprised more of this doesn't happen honestly since it's like such a sick OSINT hack. Um also just as a uh heads up, I did find our friend who uh, leads leads the good fight on um, CSAM investigations and such. Very smart woman. Her name is Jess. Let me see if I can share this with you guys. Her name is Jess. She goes by Scarlet Sleuth on Twitter. I'm gonna drop her in chat here. If you are still on Twitter, go ahead, give her a follow. She does all sorts of wonderful stuff, right? Uh, this is just, uh, I think a pinned tweet maybe. Hold on, is she? She hasn't tweeted. She last time she tweeted was December first, twenty twenty-two. Before that, October nineteenth, October eighteenth, October eleventh. So she may have moved over to Mastodon. Honestly, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but she does OSIN for good. I I like her quite a bit. Um, and she's worth a follow. I'm actually going to DM her and ask her if she's like still active on Twitter. But give her a shot, okay? Open SSH pre-auth double free vulnerability. Security researcher Mantas Mikulanus disclosed a bug in OpenSSH that occurs in the unprivileged pre-auth process, resulting in a double-free memory corruption in SSHD processes. This could theoretically result in the ability to execute arbitrary code, but would be quite sophisticated to pull off. Qualys researcher Saeed Abbasi said privilege separation and sandboxing in OpenSSH would make exploitation difficult, while OpenSSH maintainers said it did not believe it was exploitable at all. The flaw was patched in the latest 9.2 build. Royal all right, all right. All right. Um, double free vulnerability uh, is, is a specific type of vulnerability. I just had to read like the little Cliff Notes version here because um, I think of use after free. But when, when you're looking to exploit a piece of software, there's a couple different things you can look for. Like basically you drop the software in Ida Pro, unless you have the source code, then you review the source code. And you try to follow the execution logic to see if you can discover some type of thing. Sometimes memory gets uh, released by the parent process, but um, it's still accessible. It hasn't been like uh, freed up. I mean, it's it, like it's basically nothing pointing to it anymore, but it hasn't been freed up. So then you can either uh, you can write to it and, um, you know, basically have code uh, run into it. Anyways, it's I for, like I've forgotten more than I remember around the more advanced type of software exploitations. But double free is basically where you call uh, free to free up some memory, and then you call it again, and the memory gets corrupted, and you can uh, basically write um, whatever you want there, and it, and the operating system isn't going to have a problem with it. The important thing here, and they said it in the story, is even though there's a vulnerability, it doesn't appear to be exploitable. So that doesn't mean you don't patch it. It just means at this time it's not exploitable. Not all vulnerabilities are exploitable. Not all elite zero-day vulns mean that they're instantly being pwned and exploited, okay? Exploitation is tied to vulnerability into that's one way that you get to exploit a system is through a vulnerability. But I guess here's the thing. You can have vulnerability without exploitation. You cannot have exploitation without vulnerability. The exploitation exploits the vulnerability, but you can have a vulnerability without any exploitation floating around yet, okay? 
the longer vulnerability is, the more likely that an exploit is going to come up and exist and then poof, exploitation of the vulnerability, okay? So that's what's going on here. If you're running OpenSSH, make sure you're keeping it up to date because OpenSSH is a remote access protocol or a remote access application for secure shell into Linux boxes. So it's designed to be remotely accessible. That's the function of OpenSSH. So keep it clean, keep it up to date, you know, keep, you know, attack surface reduction as needed. Ransomware adds Linux support. The ransomware gang joins a growing group of encryptors now able to attack Linux hosts, including Black Basta, Lockbit, and Hive. Researcher Will Thomas discovered the Royal Linux variant, which runs in the command line. It offers a number of flags to aid in malicious activity, like the ability to stop all running VMs, and a filter to only encrypt VMs. This largely aligns with the larger trend of ransomware targeting ESXi virtual machines. Unsurprisingly, this comes as thousands of ESXi servers reached end of life in October. 37% of malware scanners were able to detect the new variant based on virus total samples. This week on the... All right, so a couple, couple quick things here. Uh, let me do... Doo -doo -doo. What are we doing? We'll do this. Okay, so the only important thing to take away here is you should be, like, you know, prepping your information security program to protect from and be resilient during a ransomware attack. Threat actors are increasing their capabilities to attack Linux devices and basically get the VMs inside of VMware ESXi chassis. So if you're running VMware ESXi chassis for your VMs, which many of us do, be mindful. If you're running Linux and you think that you're absolved from threat actors, uh, ransomware, uh, eyes of Sauron, you're mistaken. They're targeting Linux devices. Again, like a story like this is interesting because it changes the threat model, but it should not significantly impact the way that you're approaching cybersecurity. You don't see this and be like, oh, oh my God, all hands on deck. We've been doing it all wrong up to this date. No, like, dude, like Linux can run malware just like anyone, any other operating system. So you should be aware of it that, you know, you have an uptick in activity in ransomware targeting Linux and, and being able to encrypt it, but it shouldn't change your strategy or approach okay um you could see all these threat actors uh support linux ransomware encryption including the big boys lockbit hive black basta black matter okay revil which i mean revil <clears throat> got taken down by uh, law enforcement last year so i'm not even sure why that's there but um, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong in chat, like maybe Revo made a resurgence. Nevada is a new one that's coming on the scene. Like they're just kind of prepping their uh, operations right now from what I've heard. So be mindful. Um, there was one other thing in here that I thought was interesting. Oh, they mentioned virus total. Okay. So really quickly, if you don't know what virus total is, you should totally know it. Okay. It's got limited value. Like with all due respect to VirusTotal, but VirusTotal.com. Here I'm drop a link in chat. This is a great, great little tool to have um, a URL to. A lot of EDR solutions will have VirusTotal integration. Basically, you can drop a file, a URL in here, and it'll tell you if it's malicious or not. Okay, so like, hold on, what is this? All right, this is a blank text document on my desktop. I'm just gonna drop it in here, okay? You can see it's a blank text file. 
I don't know why it says Android CTS Linux ARM chip. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that was that. Anyways, you can see I ran it and it says fine, no big deal, zero out of 59 engines, okay? Now, if I wanted to run a piece of malware, and I know some people like VX Underground better, but for some reason I go to Malware Bazaar, all right? I'm not a robot, obviously, obviously. Okay, and then let's do um, tag Linux. Since Linux, you know, we just covered that news story about how Linux has malware. Okay, here's Royal Ransomware. Okay, Royal Ransomware. Hot mess on fire, okay? Let's download it. Yeah, baby. Yeah, no, I know it's an, I know it's malware. Hacking naked up in here. All right. So I've downloaded it to my desktop. I just want to show you guys virus total. All right. So virus total, super useful. I'm extracting. Do not. Hey, by the way, do not download malware to your computer unless you know exactly what you're doing. Okay. This is just for demonstration purposes. Oh, I can't. Uh, Hold on, I'm getting an unexpected error. Hold on one second. Seven zip. Ugh. All right, well, I can't, unfortunately, I can't uninstall. I, I can't, I can't extract this piece of malware. But if I did extract it, I could drop it in here and it would say it's malicious, okay? Same with URL, although I will say that I prefer urlscan.io. Like, if you get a malicious URL in an email or something like that, you can use urlscan.io to look at it, and it'll show you, like, a picture of what it is. It basically it allows you... <laughs> it's basically, like, um, a prophylactic for going to websites. Like, you don't have to touch the website. Urlscan does it for you. So these are two real useful tools that I like to use. Again, virus total, like, your mileage may vary for various reasons. Uh, the final thing I'll say is with VirusTotal or um, Any.Run, which is another, like Any.Run is a, uh, a sandbox for dynamic uh, detonation of malware that I like to use. Um, the one thing I'll say is when you upload something to it, it becomes like public domain. So if, if your boss sends you an email and says, hey, Jerry, like here's the Q4 payroll in an Excel file and you're like, hmm, Jerry's always talking about how like threat actors pretend to be executives. So there's authority. Then they use social engineering techniques to something I want to see like payroll. This is probably a trick. I'm just going to drop it in virus total and see if it's malicious. Well, you drop it in virus total and guess what? It's actually Q4 payroll. It's not malicious. And now that file is public domain and you can't get it back. So be wicked careful on what you stick up here. But typically, it's pretty obvious. Like, if it's just like a random artifact you find on an endpoint, or it's got like, you know, obfuscated PowerShell script commands, or what, like whatever it is, it'll be pretty obvious. But if you're not sure, or it seems real, uh, potentially, don't detonate it in a public space. Like, fire up a VM and open it there. Nuke your VM if it's a problem, and that's where we'll go. But anyways, it's good times all up in there. I do like any.run, though. Um, 
I would log in right now, but then you all would see my creds, and you know what I'm not into? <laughs> uh, giving up my own creds. Not, 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 not on my watch, people. All right, <clears throat> that's going to do it for today's stream. I want to say what's up. It looks like uh, Alyssa Knight was in chat. What's up, Alyssa? Good to see you. All right, so I'll spend uh, three, four minutes jaw jacking. If you were here just for the news, thank you so very much. I hope you got value. Hit the like on your way out. If you want to be reminded when I go live, hit the bell for notifications and sub on YouTube. And I will show up in your inbox every single morning and be like, hello, I'm live. Come come hang out with us. Uh, and if it's not your speed, well, thanks for checking us out and coming this far. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Now, for those who want to jaw jack for a hot minute, let's do it. All right, where are we at? Where are we at? Carrie, what's up, man? Shuttle Crab, that's class one of Cyber 101. Don't type your creds in the live stream. Exactly. Alyssa Knight, in virus tool and other sandboxes, so just because it falls, fails doesn't mean it isn't malware. This is why you want more sophisticated sandboxes like Joe to test in just different cases of malware. Absolutely, do not take the the results out of virus totals, especially virus total, as Bible. You may, like literally... <laughs> You may be patient zero of that malware. So virus turtles like never seen it before because it's brand new or it's tailor made for you. Like you should just be using the outputs of these things as part of your overall intelligence, right? Really, if you're unsure, what you should do is have, um, I think Flare VM, um, I think it's Mandian's distro. You could set up a sandbox. You can have like uh, network activity uh, that appears to be, um, uh, it looks like it's issuing DNS and stuff like that, but in reality, it's really not. Um, and you can see those command calls. Uh, let me um, let me show you guys something pretty cool. Oh, bro, I'm so warm with this sweater on right now. All right, so this is any.run, okay? Any.run is a really cool um, uh, dynamic malware uh, thing. Right, and you can see it shows you like all sorts of interesting stuff where things are detonating or whatever. But let me show you this. Oh, this is my old stuff. Okay, so this is a malicious piece of malware that ran. And with any.run, it's very cool because you can see. Hold on, let me actually show you. Let me, let me see if I can show you. All right, so this is Redline Info Stealer detonating on a workstation, okay? Actually, this is not Redline Info Stealer. This is actually not useful at all. Hold on one second. This will be worth it if I can find a decent example. Oh, you're killing me, any.run. You're killing me, any.run. Hold on one second. Sometimes they have like, like the top. Hmm. Can we search? Bruh. All right, hold on one second. Like if I can find something, it, this, it, this will look good. Uh, let's say emotet. All right, here we go. This is a Word doc. Looks like it's a macro with Emotet in it. 
Okay, so check it out. This is weird. As I like zoom in. Can you guys see this or no? All right, so it's it's running. It's the Windows 10 Microsoft Word. It's telling you that you need to like uh, enable editing, which is basically run macros. And you can see it gives you the process tree. You can see after WinWord launched, it ran this PowerShell command with uh, an obfuscated base64 encoded argument passed to it. You can see PowerShell ran here. It went to these URLs, fortcollinsathletefactory.com, WP admin, so WordPress admin, which is probably fortcollinsathletefactory.com. I bet you anything, fortcollinsathletefactory.com factory.com see how the site's not reachable now they were compromised and they were a legitimate website i guarantee you and threat actor took over their wordpress and used them in, almost like put them on like a like a suit or like a you know like wore their body um and uh used for Colin athlete factory wordpress site as attack infrastructure um and then went to gaffamusic.com, which also probably is a malicious infrastructure that was compromised, and then ran uh, the PowerShell. Now, if I can, you can see here, there isn't a whole lot of activity, but when you click on the PowerShell, it shows you the command that was run, right? So you could take this if you want, and then you can go into CyberChef. Whoops, I spelled it wrong, but that's fine. You can go into CyberChef. You could drop this as an input, and then you could say, give me um, base64 decode and a bigot. Hold on, wait, hold on, did I do this wrong? No, no, oh, I'm sorry. From base64, doink. Right, do you see how, like, look it. This input is, that, is going through this base64 decoding, and now you can see it looks like English, right? I don't know if you guys could see that, but it says security protocol. Hold on. Can we see this? Computer, enhance. Enhance. Do you see how it says like net service point manager security protocol? This is like further obfuscated code, but basically this base64, the PowerShell runs this. Threat actors do this to make it a pain in the butt for people like you and I to be able to read what's happening. What you would really want to do is... Um, I'm not going to get into it, but you would take this and then push it through a PowerShell and then hook the evaluation so you can get the output into something readable uh, without it executing on your endpoint or detonate it in a um, in a VM and then look in the logs at what the PowerShell command was that run ran. Excuse me. I don't even know why I got in. Why did I start talking about all this? I don't know. But anyways, um, yeah, Dfang, Harish. Nathan, your VM is much better than malware test sites, though. Absolutely, Alyssa Knight. Um, I, I also want to promote uh, Flare VM. Now, I haven't used this. It's Mandiant's uh, VM, but I saw Matt Kiley during Advent of Cyber, the guy who's responsible for practi practical malware analysis and triage, also the same guy I told you about, Alyssa. He uh, demonstrated Flare VM. So if you use Kali Linux, if you use Kali Linux for offensive security hacking and crap like that, Flare VM is basically the um, the digital forensics incident response counterpart operating system, if you will, for 
you know, malware analysis, incident response, digital forensics, that type of crap. All the tools that you want is in there. This is basically the the defensive side of the house's response to Kali Linux. So give this a shot. Hook it up. There's some talk in, in chat about Joe Sandbox. Oh, they have a cloud version now? Pretty cool. So here, I'll drop a link. Whoops. I'll drop a link in chat for my buddy Joe Williams. Why can't I? What the heck? Crap. There we go. There's Joe Sandbox. This is what it looks like. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize it was SAS back in the day. Oh, I'm thinking of Cuckoo. Cuckoo Sandbox. Um, it used to be the one that I knew of. Um, of course, I'm going to click through this like any good cybersecurity professional. This one you used to have to download and run locally on your machine. Joe Sandbox, I guess you can do as a SaaS platform. Very cool. Um, there was a question here about Remnux. Remnux um, is a good one. Uh, there is a um, malware analysis kit. I think Flare VM, if I'm not mis... Well, I'm not sure if Flare VM is Linux or not. Yeah, Flare VM is Windows. Remnux is Linux. So it depends on what you're into. Um, you know, pick your poison. But there is a Remnux Docker image so you can spin up really quickly. Um, I almost wonder if you can do web uh, uh, WSL, like Windows uh, Subsystem Linux with a Remnux instance. That would be pretty cool. Um, I'd love to do some more videos on the channel for defensive uh, incident response and malware analysis. Guys, I got to tell you, here's a fun fact and a reality, and then I got to boogie out of here. Like, malware analysis is a ton of fun. It's like basically doing, like, Wordle, right? Or, like, Sudoku on Sunday. Like, it's wicked fun to pull apart malware, to, like, deobfuscate, to reverse engineer what the threat actor did. It's like, when, like, like I just did Base64 decoding, and then we had the obfuscated regular code, then you'd have to, like... Uh, evaluate that and hook the eval so you could print it out and see what it is. Now you even, all you have now is like what the threat actor did. You have to actually piece together like, okay, like now that I can read it, did they create a new artifact? Did they pull down a bash file or something from some th C2 infrastructure? Whatever it is, it's like a puzzle and it's wicked fun. But here's a reality that you won't read in any textbook anywhere. No boot camp is going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. Ready? Two hands, grab the side of your chair. Hold on. Hopefully you didn't wear socks today because they're about to get blown off. The reality is, unless you, like, are a malware analyst for, like, your job, like, you get paid by, like, Cisco or Symantec or, you know, Talos or, or um, wherever to look at malware, as a operator, as a practitioner, I don't have time to analyze the malware. Like, I would love to do it, but it's a time sink. It takes hours. When I find a piece of malware... All I need to know is, is it is it malicious? Yes, uh, software. Is it malicious? Yes or no. Did it detonate correctly? Yes or no. What was the impact? Do I wipe the VM or not? Right? Like, threat actor, Carl runs, Carl runs something dumb on his machine. All I'm going to do is, okay, like, Carl, your machine is blown away. Let me look at the network logs. Did Carl's machine reach out to anyone else on our network? Whatever Carl's machine reached out to to pay, pull the payload down, did any other machine on our network pull that payload? No, it looks like an isolated incident. Boom, Carl, I'm sorry you put your family Disney pictures on your desktop. I told you this is a work computer, not your personal computer. Hopefully you backed him up. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Re-imaged, Carl's back to work, and then I move on. As much as I would love to tear that malware apart and look at what happened, you know what else? I got three more fires over here that I got to put down.
right? And if I'm trying to tell like the CIO or whoever, like, oh, I'm just playing with malware over here. Like, what is the, what, what, what value are you bringing? All you're doing is like ignoring these other bigger problems. There's too much to do in information security to get to play with malware, sadly. So that's just, that's just a reality. That's just a reality. Letting you all know what's up. Okay. Uh, malware analyst is really cool. I do have a, um, I have a DJ, um, TJ Nelson. This is one of my earlier videos, um, on the, on the channel. Uh, what's the year on this one? Um, this video is from two years ago. This is one of my earlier videos, but I interviewed TJ Nelson, who's uh, Dakota State University PhD graduate. Hey, go Trojans, right? Um, also a low country local, but he's a professional malware analyst and he knows his crap. So if you're interested in learning more about malware analysis, check this video out. It's old, but it still holds up, okay? All right, guys, it's 11 a.m. Um, thanks to Alyssa Knight for being in chat, sharing her thoughts and experiences. Thanks to all of you uh, for being here. Um, you know, it's it's been a good time. I got to get to work. I actually took Friday and Monday off from work to to execute this big surprise for my wife, which was fantastic. Went off great. Um, but now I've got like a million emails because, oh, here's another fun fact before I leave. <laughs> um, at least in my world, and I feel like many of you in the professional world um, are going to, um, you know, hashtag preach this one. When you don't go to work like on Friday and on, what's up? Okay. When you go to work on Friday and on Monday, uh, you don't go to work Friday and Monday, like your work doesn't stop. It's just like a, a traffic jam. It just piles up. So when you get to work on Tuesday after taking those two days off, guess what? You've just got all that work to do, like a ton of work. People are waiting. So you don't, it's not like you like, you know, it's just picking up where you left off. Like all that work backs up and you got to deal with it. So that's what I'm about to go do. I'm about to take a little, um, you know, kid's sand shovel and go dig my way out of probably a thousand emails and like 25 actionable items. Hashtag preach. Thanks, Jeremy Williams. All right, guys, we've, we've had a great time. See you tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern time on the channel. Thanks so much for being here. Hopefully you enjoyed the tidbits. Take care, everybody. Thanks, and until next time, stay secure.